your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So recently, over 10,000 people signed an online petition to repeal the no-visa policy that allows Chinese visitors to stay in Jeju Island for up to 30 days without a visa. This after a woman in her 60s was killed while praying at a church by, allegedly, a Chinese visitor. Let's cross over to Vancouver, Canada, where a similar policy of attracting Chinese investment has also brought about some local difficulties. Bill Thielman, president of Westar Communications, a strategy and communications consulting firm based in British Columbia, joins us on the line. And good morning to you from Seoul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, I mean, just to be clear, Jeju welcomes wealthy Chinese investors anyway. Uh, if they buy up real estate, for example, if they invest more than 500 million won, they get permanent residency. Uh, can you give us the background of, of how Vancouver has come under Chinese influence and also strong influence from Hong Kong? I remember visiting Vancouver in the past and hearing the nickname Hongkouver used quite regularly. That's right. We've had a lot of waves of immigration going right back two centuries almost when Chinese laborers were first brought here in very unfair conditions. But now what we have, Alex, is, is some very, very wealthy Chinese buying up all sorts of residential property, not to live here, not to buy a house here and move here, but as investments, as very high blue chip property investments, because our prices in Vancouver in the last year alone have gone up 38 percent. And the average price in British Columbia is just under $1 million Canadian now. So it's becoming out of reach of the ordinary person and becoming a, a really a luxury item. And that's caused a lot of resentment towards the Chinese foreign nationals who are clearly here as speculators and making a lot of money, but not putting anything into the economy and usually keeping these homes vacant. Yeah, obviously that's a concern as well here on Jeju Island, where you might find Chinese money being behind the construction of condos and hotels, which are then used by Chinese tourists and residents. But there's this feeling that that's not pouring into the local economy. It does sound like you have similar concerns. We have enormous concerns in that way. And we also know that basically about 13 billion dollar was dollars were spent by Chinese foreign nationals buying residential property last year in Vancouver and so we've had these constant increases 35 38 percent a year for several years the government the provincial government here in British Columbia did nothing until a month ago and they suddenly decided to change their mind after saying it wasn't a problem and imposed a a foreign property tax in the metro Vancouver area only and so that has uh, slowed down the market a reasonable bit but it hasn't reduced prices and so we've got, you know, some additional problems there. And basically the barn door has been closed after the horse is long gone. So we've got some real significant problems of affordability. And, of course, any time you have uh, very rich people from any country coming into another country and buying up property and, and forcing prices up, it does cause uh, an element of racism, which is very regrettable. Yeah, and, and you know, there might be a certain lid on that in, in Vancouver, but you're definitely aware of it, aren't you? And, and you look around, you'll see um, Chinese characters everywhere. Um, when you have a, a sign instructing residents of an apartment block, they'll often have English, French and Chinese characters there, uh, which obviously reflects the extent to which the Chinese population has grown. Chinatown as well is, is vast. So even if many of these investors are not actually living in Vancouver, there are a huge number of people who are. What sort of friction has that caused? 
Well, we've had two problems recently. One is a condominium building. The Strata Council, which governs it of the owners, uh, decided they would only operate in Mandarin, only hold all meetings and all conversations in Mandarin. And, of course, there are uh, Anglophone, English-speaking only residents there. So that's gone to the Human Rights Tribunal as a complaint. And we've also had human rights tribunal complaints in Richmond, which is one of the suburbs of Vancouver, where there are many stores with Chinese-only signs, Chinese-only, uh, everything is Chinese-only, as if you're not really uh, in Canada. Yeah. And so that's also caused a lot of friction. So there, there are elements of that. Uh, and again, we have a long history of integration in Vancouver. I think it's one of the most multicultural and tolerant societies. and We have uh, many Korean immigrants and, and Korean Canadians, uh, almost every nationality, but this particular emphasis in the last few years of very wealthy Chinese, uh, this city is awash in Lamborghinis and Maseratis, uh, and very, very expensive cars with young drivers with an N on the back, which means new driver. Uh, we also found that recently there were $57 million uh, in properties purchased by people who put on their registration papers that they were students. Now, how do students get that kind of money? Uh, clearly, you know, we've got a problem of, of other people buying for wealthy investors. How does a city or a, a region or even a whole country, in some cases, balance you know, these interests between attracting investment and maintaining their core values and the society that makes them what they are? Well, it's very challenging, and I've been accused of being xenophobic because I raised the issue in my newspaper columns in, in 24 Hours Vancouver and the, the Taiyi Online. Uh, because I said we have to talk about China and we have to mention, say the truth about it. it most of this uh, multi-million dollar investment is coming from one place and one place only. We've also had, uh, in the last year, $13.5 million seized at the Vancouver International Airport from Chinese foreign nationals of undeclared cash. doesn't mean that it's, it's um, crooked money or dirty money. It does mean they didn't declare it as required by the law and it was seized. So we have to talk about these things and we can't just... Uh, you know, brush it under the carpet and say, oh, well, if you talk about the fact that there are uh, many, many Chinese uh, Chinese nationals buying up residential property, then we, you're a racist if you talk about it. And I reject that completely. So I think that this is one of the challenges we have. Um, on the other hand, of course, some of the uh, some of the new owners are buying properties, leaving them vacant, not not behaving as good citizens or good residents of our country. And that's caused a lot of friction. So mm. we have some real serious challenges here, and we have to uh, obviously deal with the, the, the matter of the real estate situation. But unfortunately, it's far too late, in my view, to deal with it in a proper way. And now we're trying to play catch-up. Yeah, so property is a concern. What about um, employment? Something that I also noticed during my own time in Vancouver was... Uh, Mm -hmm. Was it like a shopping district like Robson Street? Just about every single shop appears to be run or is um, staffed by members of Chinese origin. It's, it's, I'm not, I didn't study their, their citizenship or, or papers, so I, I'm not making any particular claim there. But it was noticeable that there was a stark ethnic difference. Uh, is there a particular Absolutely. reason for that? Yes, clearly. I mean, China has probably the fastest growing economy and the largest one among largest populations. So we are getting now, I mean, China's creating an enormous number of millionaires. And we're getting a lot of tourist traffic. So most stores in the tourist areas, like you mentioned on Robson Street, need to have 
uh, retail clerks who speak Mandarin. That is the language of choice for a lot of the tourists, and they don't speak English or any other language. Mm. So by necessity, the store owners are, are obviously employing people who can speak Mandarin. There are a lot of Mandarin classes and things, and, and I'm all for uh, basically having people who are very multilingual in different ways. We have a large uh, South Asian community. We have, uh, obviously, uh, as I said, Korean-Canadian, Japanese-Canadian, Filipino-Canadians. And so, but uh, there is a real imbalance, and it, it is almost on a wealth basis that is causing a lot of antagonism towards Chinese nationals who are buying here and moving here. And um, now that we've had this 15% foreign property tax put on in Metro Vancouver, they are going to other parts of British Columbia, other parts of Canada, like Toronto, Ontario, and also to Seattle, or New York, San Francisco. So there is a, a giant exodus of capital out of China uh, going into real estate wherever the market looks good and, and with very high returns. Yeah, so you've just highlighted uh, taxes. That's one way to deal with this kind of issue. Um, but the, the world's in this. Uh, Chinese nationals take up a quarter of the world's real estate market, reportedly, You know, according mm-hmm. to some media outlets. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they're measuring that, but nevertheless, it's a, it's a huge level of investment that's going. Uh, and not every city and country will have the same kind of policy on that. Do you think that uh, there's any advice you'd want to share with us today here in Korea and how we should deal with it? Well, don't make the mistakes that we made of waiting far too long and far too late to decide to deal with it. Uh, you know, I, I think that there are real questions in some countries, including China, have severe uh, or significant restrictions on foreign ownership of property. I don't think that there's any reason why any country should allow speculation on residential property. It's If Chinese investors or investors from any other country want to invest in, in business and in manufacturing here, etc., that's fine. But what we have seen here is uh, they have seen, obviously, they've seen an advantage in buying into uh, real estate, into residential real estate, and that's caused enormous problems. And I don't see any reason why someone from a different country who has no interest in coming here, not working here, not living here, not retiring here, should be buying and selling retail or uh, residential properties uh, without any restrictions at all and without any making any real contribution to the, the local economy beyond the property tax. Bill Tillman, thank you so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Bill Tillman from West Star Communications sharing his view. Um, sounds like um, he's trying to gather support as well for that view, um, but finding it difficult uh, because immediately you do naturally run into accusations of, of racism and, and xenophobia. And at the same time here in Korea, we should be indeed encouraging more of the right sort of foreign investment where you end up with a multicultural society, where you end up with the the positive elements of that. But foreign ownership of land in Jeju Island is clearly a very different issue from a Chinese visitor coming in unhinged and murdering a local. I think we do also need to make that very clear distinction based on um, where we started this interview. If you want to get in touch and share your own thoughts, pound a sharp 1013 for 51 per message. You can also tweet us at EFM this morning.